Welcome to a special episode of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast, featuring the Hag Expo in Houston, Texas. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing the Houston Area Arcade Group Expo in Houston, Texas, 2012 edition. And my name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing after the big weekend? Well, I'm doing better on the inside than I am on the outside. I'm glad we're not on <laughs> Did you TV. get some sleep? A little bit of sleep. I'm starting to catch up some, so... I tell you what, it was a exhausting weekend, Tim. We had just a great time, but man, it was it was very exhausting. I will say that. But we we had a great time though out there meeting some of you guys, some of our listeners, and some of the viewers. And Tim, I can't count the number of people who told us how much they enjoyed either the YouTube videos or the podcast or whatever it was. It was just amazing. So thank you guys for listening for sure. For sure, yeah, it's amazing how a lot of people just were coming up just randomly and noticing us or or hearing hearing us talk and saying, hey, I've listened to your podcast, thank you, and so forth. So that that's what makes it worth it, you know, and thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, so, okay, before we get into, like, the seminars and stuff, many people know that we gave a seminar as well, but we'll, we'll talk about those here in a minute, Tim. Let's just talk about the show itself. Uh, of course, we drove in Friday night, so we were there Friday night, and we got to play some games, which was good, because Saturday we were pretty tied up with all those seminars. But Tim, let's talk about some of the games we got to play, and maybe some of the things that you saw while you were at the festival. So we walked up, and it looked pretty good. There's a good turnout on Friday night, lots of people there to play games. The cool thing about the Hag, Tim, is that it's not just an arcade or a pinball festival, but it's also a console festival. So when you walk through those first doors, mm-hmm. about the first thing you see is the Atari Age booth with all these different gaming consoles. And it's really a cool feeling. Right, yeah, it really brought back some memories watching <laughs> people play uh, Casey Munchkin and some <laughs> older Atari games. Some some even I'd never heard of oh, were yeah. there. And there were a lot of vendors there, too. Of course, uh, our friend Joe Crookham, who we'll be talking about when we get to the seminars, he was there. And Chris Monroe, Tim, who you always like to do deals with, was there as well. And right. Several guys from the Texas Pinball Festival were there representing, Craig Hassel and a couple others. And so there were some great deals to be had as well. Not just games to play, but deals to be had, especially if you're looking for manuals or, or uh, rubber replacements for your pinball machines or whatever parts you're looking for. They were definitely there. Yeah, so, Illinois Pinball was there, too. Illinois Pinball. So, I mean, it was a good turnout for vendors. But let's talk about the arcade games, because we are an arcade-centric podcast, Tim. So the first one we laid our hands on, I believe, was Tron. And so you and me played a couple rounds of Tron. I tell you, that Tron was very nice looking. Probably one of the better ones I've seen. Yeah, it looked like um, it had recently been restored. In fact, if uh, any knocks on it, it it was kind of tight because it was so new. Right. And I was like, man, mine is really worn, you know, or mine fires and stuff. Right. But so we had to break it in for them, you know. <laughs> and I, I think we we did a pretty good job breaking it in. Definitely. So there's a nice looking Tron cab there. Tim, there's also an Omega race there. And yeah. a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with Omega race, but it was a black and white vector game. From like 1981, basically. One of your favorites, correct? Yeah. Actually, one of the very first games I ever played was an Omega race. They had one at a local barbecue place near my house. And we used to go down there. I always liked the sound of it. It's it's not super graphically deep or anything. It kind of plays a lot like asteroids. You thrust and fire and shoot. But if you ever get a chance... I've heard they're kind of nightmares to upkeep and keep working. Right. And this one was in great shape and played good. Yeah, it really was. It was probably 
I mean, as far as restoration goes, I mean, mint condition, I would say. Just to, oh, and that, yeah. that screen was so bright. You know, it's one of the things that tends to fade on vector monitors over time, Tim. You don't get that bright, sharp popping lines and explosions like you normally do. And this monitor definitely had been repaired by somebody who knew what they were doing. Right. So. What do you, the sounds, though, are what bring back the memory of that game. How when you hit the sides or you hit something, and it's simple sounds, but it kind of has this echo, echoing effect like. And uh, anyway, it, yeah, we had a. We played quite a few games of that. Yeah, we did. It was a lot of fun. And then from there, Tim, we moved on to an Adams Family, but not just any Adams Family, an Adams Family pinball with a color DMD. And we've seen these before at pinball festivals, but this is the first time I really think that we got to sit down and really take some time to play one. And you guys can get color DMDs from colordmd.com. And basically, I mean, for those of you guys who don't know what the DMD is, Tim, you want to give us a little explanation of, of what the DMD is? Well, we're talking about the display uh, on a pinball game. Correct. Everybody knows it's a bunch of dots and everything that move and sometimes has a little animation. But everyone, for the last 20 years, has been this orange color. Or single color. Yeah, like, I think single it's, color. ACDC Maybe. has a red one, I think. Right. You know? but, but, but most of them are, are, like you said, a single color, especially that orange really bright orange color right uh, like on my hook and uh that's what was cool about this one it's same animation and everything just it mixed in some colors i know one screenshot i took had a brown white yellow and blue all on the screen at the same time it just made it something different but then again i, I i'm not that great at pinball so <laughs> i'm mostly looking down the play field the whole time that's why i really want to play wizard of oz sometime because i'm wondering how distracting that would be for me because I I have to really concentrate to follow the ball right. and stuff. Maybe a really good pinball player can do both. I don't <laughs> I don't hardly ever notice the display. Right now we should say that these color DMDs are not cheap, Tim. They're about four hundred dollars a pop. It seems like, and they only have them available for about three games. I think Adam's Family's one of them. Yeah, uh, Attack from Mars is one, and then Medieval Madness, I believe, right. is the other one. You so. can get single colors in just about every game. So right. I was thinking, like on my hook. Maybe red or just a green to have a different contrast color or something. Right. Um, but the the different colors, and I assume that's why, because it, Jonathan said it had to be programmed in right. there to Correct. show certain colors at certain times. So. Definitely. So it, it's a little bit little bit pricey, but for those of you who are, are really into the you know pinball, it's probably not too much at all. So. And then, Tim, we actually got to play some newer Stern pinballs that we haven't got to play yet. One of them was the Rolling Stones. Now, before we get into our kind of semi-review of the Rolling Stones, we should mention that we have not... This is probably the Pro model, and we haven't played whatever the Premium LE Edition or whatever it is is. But this definitely looked like more of a Pro model that was at the show. So, Tim, give me your impressions. Rolling Stone pinball by Stern. What do you think of the model that we played? It was... um just it was just i don't know i'm looking at it and i'm going and i heard a couple other people say they didn't really like uh you know the Mick jagger going across the play field yeah. back and forth mm-hmm. and the everybody thinks of rolling stones you think of those big lips and they had a really cool deal but it was over in the corner Yeah, they had a ramp on the right hand side yeah i thought that would have been more in the center i don't know i just i was kind of a little confused with the layout uh, and, you know, when you go to these festivals sometimes, you don't always hear the sound right. because of all the noise of the other games going at one time, plus music, people talking. In fact, we're probably a little hoarse from most of the time, even just us talking, you, you kind of have to yell a little bit. Right. So I didn't really hear the sound. And that, you know, to me, I like sound in a pinball game. To me, makes I always like my Stargate because right. it had the coolest sound and the 
little little noises and stuff it made. So that is part of the play for me. So not being able to hear the sound on a music band pinball um, like ACDC or Guns N' Roses, what would it be without the really good sound to it's it? True, true. So I'm going to say if I don't know the sound, I really would like to play it in a in a quieter setting or something. Well, just just but in the just, setting, setting you played it in, let's do a scale from one to ten. Ten being like the best pinball machine you ever played, one being the worst. What do you think Rolling Stone would get on your scale? Just because it has a few bells and newer bells and whistles and pretty fast play, maybe a six or seven, but not right. not very high. I'm sure we'll get into a couple other pinballs that I, you know, he kind of had one. It kind of looked cool, but it just really wasn't that fun to play for me. Right. But like I said, I would really, I'm sure really like to give it. If anybody wants to send us one and have me critique it for a couple <laughs> months, I would be more. I think I could be more fair judge, but. You know, um, no, I just, I don't know, there's something missing. You ever play a game and you can't quite put your finger on it, but right. it's just not, not as fun, uh, especially as we'll probably talk about a couple that were next to it. Right. That I didn't really, I don't even know if I would have put a coin in had I seen them at a, at a local arcade. arcade or something. But when I played them, it was fun. Right. I was like, well, this is fun. And that to me, that's what it's all about. I'm not a high score player anyway, so right. you have to... You have to kind of capture me from the get-go. I'm not going to keep putting coins in a pinball machine and figure it out. You got to. I've got to feel like I got my money's worth on the first or second play. Yeah, and I feel the same way, Tim. And I'm probably around a six or seven as well. More, more leaning towards six at this point on Rolling Stone. Now it was fun to play. I'll give you that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible. But I didn't like the Mick Jagger. You mentioned that. Yeah. And I thought that the layout was a little. It's like I don't know what the word would be. Sparse, maybe it would be a good word. I just didn't feel like there were, there were enough ramps to keep me interested. And it could be that on the limited edition model there's a whole bunch more stuff i mean we, yeah, we found true. that out with acdc i mean you play the acdc pro and then you play the back in black in the other ones it's, it's, it's no, comparison. no comparison between the, the three of them so you know it could be that the upper model of this one's a whole lot better but for what we played at, at the hag it, it seemed kind of lackluster to me so about mm-hmm. a six about the middle i would say is probably what you're looking at now there was one next to a tim that we enjoyed a whole lot more and that was the harley davidson pinball machine tell me what you thought about that one well, I have, uh, I'm old school when it comes to pinball. There's two things that immediately will kind of turn me off if I go to play a pinball. And I know that some, there's some hot titles. I like a plunger. I yeah. want to shoot the ball. Right. I, I guess it's just a part of me. And so the first thing I noticed, it has this push button, you right. know. Actually, I think didn't auto, auto shoot it for you the first time. Yeah. And, uh. That to me, it takes away a lot of the the feel of I, I like to plunge the ball. Right. But after that, I have to say that you know, so I'm kind of a little reluctant to even play it. I'll go there and I start playing. That was a fun game. It really was. And it shook, and mm-hmm. it had the the motorcycle sounds and the motorcycle popping up, and it, it just after that, I was I was like, wow. I think I would I would own one of them. I would just have to put me a plunger in and disconnect the <laughs> thing. I don't know. I just kind of I so, like that. So compared to Rolling Stone, oh, what's Harley Davidson? Probably an eight. Wow. Okay, yeah, so it's so, not up there. Yeah, I mean, not not my favorite pinball of all time but boy that's just 
you know, kind of, kind of almost snuck in the want list there. Yeah, it, was, I, it was fun. It was fun. I, I agree. So I, I wish there know. was one here in town. I'd go play it regularly, right. probably. I don't know who the designer is on that one. I didn't get to read all, it all. So, but um, it was a lot of fun. I agree. I, I probably rate it more a seven, close to an eight, probably. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt like it was much better than Rolling Stone. It seems like Rolling Stone has more of the hype than the Harley Davidson and, and some of the other pinballs. So I think Harley Davidson's also a little bit older, so an older Stern. But I mean, we haven't played it. So, yeah, I mean, third but, edition. I think is what they call it, the Harley oh, okay. Davidson third edition. I mean, it's not the only Harley Davidson pin there. Oh, so, yeah, there's been. But, yeah. So there's been a couple more. So anyway, it, I liked how it shook. And me too. To me, that that it interacts me more with the game, and I'm trying to see what did I hit to make it shake. See, all of a sudden they're catching me on the first or second play, right. making me want to put more coins into it. Yeah. So. And there were some other games there too, Tim. There was a Disc of Tron. Which I think we might have talked about that a little bit last year. Of course, there was also Mystic Marathon, which I know we talked about right. last year because Ken was there. And there were a whole bunch of other games. One of the expos festivals with, with some of the rarest games that you'll ever see. Sometimes we've seen things like Asterac and some of the other ones, Warrior. Yeah, there was a Quantum there. Quantum, yeah. And Quantum's really fun to play. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's a neat game. I, I suck at it terribly, <laughs> but it's a really fun game to play. You know, it's for people who are really good with trackballs, basically. I guess is what so. It's uh, but, you know, Tim, you do pretty good at it's it. It's a good like. game for kids and stuff, too, because right. it's easy to pick up. I know Cheryl likes to play it because it's real easy, and like you said, it doesn't take long. She's uh, better than I am at it. There was also a Flintstones pinball machine by ICE, Yeah, which I had seen before probably in Chuck E. Cheese a long time ago, but I hadn't mm-hmm. seen one in a while. And that was that's it's still really interesting, kind of the way it works. It's a lot right. different than like your traditional pinball machine. Yeah, so. kind, of, kind of a mixture between... Uh, I'm thinking of just a, a redemption game, a traditional pinball game, and a Hercules. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of a medium. I mean, it's pretty big. Yeah, I wouldn't want to move it in there by myself. And then, <laughs> um, so yeah, there was that one. There was a, I'm I'm just there was a Granny and the Gators there. Yep. Tron yeah. Legacy Pinball was yeah, there. Yeah, Legacy Pinball. Uh, Getaway fun. 2 Pinball was there. That's always a fun one to play. I was trying to think of what else just off the top of my there head. There were a but. lot of the p- most popular titles like Adam's Family. Galaga. Uh, yeah, Galaga, <laughs> Miss Pack stuff. Well, there was a lot of that stuff. I'm trying to think of just some of the rarer stuff. There was the Joust Pinball. Yep. Uh, there was a track and field uh, four-player. Yeah, uh, cocktail, basically. Cocktail. Stand-up cocktail. Yeah, kind of a stand-up cocktail. Um, you know, I was hoping they would have the Pac-Man Royale thing again. Yeah, the Battle Royale. That I was, love that thing. That was yeah. fun. Uh, but they didn't have but it there. They, it wasn't there this time. Right. But, you know, it, it really was a lot of games packed in there. And I would say that um seems like maybe as many more pinballs than arcades. And I don't know, you know, when you have these festivals, everybody has to keep in mind that these aren't companies or anything. These are individuals, so these are what people are collecting. Right. And so, you know, what they want to bring up there. And uh, it's always nice to see. Uh, we have to talk about uh, Joe's uh, Star Wars right. that was just like mint condition. We'll talk about that in the seminars. Right. Though. He did and, get an uh, award for that, too. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Yeah, he Best did. Custom arcade, well, so. well deserved. Um, I'm trying to think of some more. If there was not a lot of rare, but I mean, then you had you had like Asteroids Deluxe, and just if you're you know a fan of that era, you pretty much you're Donkey Kong stuff like that, where you could find 
a lot of those games to play. You, you know, one thing that, that kind of fascinated me was I didn't see many fighting games there. And, you know, it no. seemed like most of the fighting game people were over on the consoles and they were fighting, yeah, they were doing stuff been. over there. I, I saw, like, a Bloody Warrior. I think that was, like, one of the only games that I saw, the fighting games I saw the whole time there. You know, because those aren't as collectible as your classic games. Are. I don't think you could have put ten more games in there anywhere. No, anyway. they had a, I mean, they had a was, cramped full. Cramped uh, maybe full. even three would have been yeah. stretching it. I mean, they were just, everywhere you went, there was games. And there was a lot of people there, but it didn't ever feel... Uh, like a lot of there wasn't a lot of lines. Everybody was being courteous and taking turns and playing one game, kind of moving on to the next. Thing. The Texas pinball people could could take a, <laughs> a note from that. It's just that the Texas pinball festival has gotten so big now. It has, and, and that's part of it. Yeah, part of that's the, why they're having to move to the new venue, right? You know, and uh, that'll be good. Uh, yeah, it's been so crowded. Right. So there was a lot of people, but it's just uh, everybody was having a good time. And uh, but but we, I'm sure we'll get to a rant or two later. But uh, you know, just my my one deal was there were a few games I didn't get to play. Flintstones being one of them, I didn't. I saw it, but didn't get actually to play it. Right. Um. You know, because if the games didn't have credits on them, right. Or or you know, like Flintstones was having a ticket error, so forth like that. Yeah, so. Star Wars pinball, original Star Wars pinball, Data East, I believe. Yeah, I couldn't, that, pull, that one couldn't play up. it. Yeah, Green and the Gators didn't have. Coins and you know, uh, just we'll, track we'll and field. Talk. Track and field had some button things. So. Right, we're getting into it now. We shouldn't be getting. Yeah, into it we, now. we'll save it till later. We're saving it for a little bit, and that's not a, a a complete knock. We're just just some observations. Yeah. So Tim, let's go ahead and move on. So Friday night, we pretty much played games and and hung out and ate and had a good time. And then Saturday, we pretty much stayed in seminars for most of the day, and we didn't go to all the seminars. But we went we went to about half or about six of the seminars, if you right. count ours in there as well. And we got all six of those on tape. Now right. some of them cut out, some of them we had some recording issues, so I apologize up front for all those videos. But I'm working on them frantically. I've got four of them already cut. I got two more to do, and we'll have them out there for you guys to watch because I know you guys are ready to, to see some of these seminars. But let's go through and just give some of our opinions about maybe what we learned or what we took away from some of these seminars, Tim, even though some people are gonna see it. So the first one we had was just like last year, the first one that we had last year with Ken Graham. Of course, last year we weren't able to record it, but this year we got a recording of it. So I'm right. really excited about that because you guys, I don't know somebody who has as much knowledge about Williams games as Ken Graham. He no. is the guru of, of Williams games, I would say. It's so cool to, to actually uh, know or have met somebody who was there. Right. You know, he started off getting hired programming a 2600 or working on 2600 games right and uh then he went on and got into the arcade you know side of it and just seen and done it all and has those it's one of those seminars i love to go to just because and sometimes it's the same stories but i just want to hear them again that's right it's just so cool <laughs> i mean it's just like uh if uh you know one day maybe people will go what was it like working at chuck e cheese back in the day or something you know right. and he just he will tell these stories and just funny and stuff, but I it, I never cease to not learn something. So I was taking notes and everything because it seems like he always brings up the simplest stuff, but yet, you know, it's kind of like the, the tips that we share. Right. People say, well, some people say, well, they're, they're not too in-depth or whatever. Well, you know what? They're just stuff that I heard and somebody taught me and I'm I'm passing on the thing. Right. So I'm really excited maybe even to shoot some videos of some stuff he talked about. Right. That seems like common knowledge, but even some stuff I'm like, you know what? I need to do that a different way or I need to do it the way he's showing to do it. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't even mind retracting some old videos if need be. 
because that's the goal, right? right? And so I always learned some good stuff from him. Yeah, and it was a great seminar, and he he had a tough time slot. I think we talked about because it was at eleven o'clock in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. most of the people the festival was pretty light at that point, and there weren't a whole lot of people there. But he still gave a great seminar, and we enjoyed it immensely. So Ken, just thank you so much for that seminar. It was it was a pleasure listening to you. Well, one thing I want to say about him is I I hear these people talk about going to his parties and stuff, right? I hadn't, and, and I know he ha, he brings a lot of those really older arcade games and stuff, and uh, but I had no idea how big his collection was till he threw out some numbers, right? And but, we're, that was like two hundred and something arcade. I, I think mean, he might. Be, I think you might be talking about Dan Ferguson. Oh, Dan. Okay, right. that's the next one. You're you're already ahead of me. Look at you. I am you. getting ahead. Okay, so that is Dan Ferguson. So the, the next seminar that we went to, we skipped the Atari Homebrew programming. So those of you who wanted to see that, hopefully somebody else recorded it and can put it up on the web. And then we went to a history of pinball seminar right. with Dan Ferguson. Yes. Okay, and this is this is who Tim was talking about right there. Apparently, his collection is is very very large of coin operated machines. Yeah. It's not just arcade games not just even pinball and that's kind of what i collect john i i have an appreciation for anything coin operated right and uh he sounds and he has a very good vast knowledge of all of that stuff. Yeah. Now, he's got a website, Lone Star Pinball. I think it's lspinball.com. Yes. We'll double check that, but I think it's lspinball.com, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes, so if you guys want to check it out. But yeah, apparently, Dan has these huge parties you know, you know, where they go and they get to play his entire collection, and apparently there is quite a bit there. Yeah, I want to so, go to one sometime. I definitely. think that would be fun, just to see some of those old penny arcades right. and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's it's when he he has a lot of stories to tell too. It's funny how he talked about getting into collecting, and you know, so it's funny when you're looking at it, and you might just have one or two games now. Right. Well, everybody started somewhere, right? That's and it's right. Kind of like those Lay's potato chips. You can't just buy one. And you have to, <laughs> next thing you know, you got a garage full of them. But that's what's fun about yeah. it. Yeah. Now he also gave us a nice handout, which I'm going to try to scan and put up on the site as well, maybe a link to that had basically the breakdown of a lot of earlier pinball machines, mm-hmm. basically from the dawn of pinball all the way to about the late '80s, that showed production numbers. Because a lot of people don't realize the production numbers on some of these different older the older pinball machines especially and so it was nice to get that breakdown he also showed he also has this timeline on the other side of it that kind of shows the history of pinball when they added flippers when they added electricity stuff like that that's very interesting as well and so it was a great talk just about the history of pinball that's what Mm -hmm. it was about and of course he talked about his collection and the different games that he had and some of the stuff that he'd worked on over the years so it was very very interesting seminar with dan ferguson but again his website lspinball.com and like Tim said, apparently his collection is is huge. He gave out some numbers. If you watch the seminar, you'll get to see what the yeah. numbers are. But uh, it was it was pretty good stuff. So we hit that one. We did record it, so you guys will get to see that seminar here in a bit. Now we kind of skipped over the multimorphic uh, seminar. We didn't record it for sure, but we did sit in for some of it because that was right before our seminar. Right. And multimorphic is is they call it the P3 pinball platform, and basically it's a pinball machine with like an LCD screen in it and some and some ramps and stuff like that. But it's meant to be kind of a multi-pinball machine, Tim, and the fact that you can basically get different apps for it to play different types of games, and the pinball interacts with the screen and some of the other surrounding items, and they had it at Texas Pinball Festival, but I don't think we took a look at it then, and I just barely took a look at it now, but I saw it on the show floor and, you know, just kind of walked by it, thought it was kind of cool and everything, but apparently it's priced pretty high. Um, At the show, they were saying it was about $10,000, 
and they were given a thousand dollar discount for people who just paid it all up front. They said they had a lot of interest in it, and I do think it's cool technology, Tim. But it does sound a little bit pricey. What do you think? Yeah, well, you know, you think about what goes into one, and you're not going to mass produce them, right? So I guess I'm not going to so concerned about the price or anything. I did get to play it just a little bit. Uh, the floor model that they had out. One reason why we didn't even consider recording it, they were recording their own. Right. And uh, with, with some really good equipment. So maybe that would be something good for all of us to go to their website and check it out and see if they post their own video about it. Right. And uh, definitely, you know, though, uh, for years we we, we kind of ran it and complained about people just doing the same old games and stuff. It's true. So it's good that people are trying innovative, innovative things. I mean, an app for your pinball game, you know. I think it was last year before I even knew app meant application. You know, I was like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's right. like this, you're trying to teach some, uh, to get new people involved. And uh, so it did see some teenagers and stuff there too. So maybe this is a, a good thing. It had some cool like maintenance features and stuff. Like it would actually talk to you when it was level. So you could like level it off and it would say you're three degrees to the right or you're three degrees to the left. And that way you wouldn't have to look up like on the screen to see if you're level or not or check it all the time. Of course, they talked about the network connectivity with it. I don't want to go into a lot of detail because we didn't really sit in that too much. But you guys can check it out at multimorphic.com and check out all the details on it. The the interactivity between the LCD screen and the pinball is pretty neat. I will say that. I mean, the technology, Tim, is there. I just think it's a little bit pricey, but as the technology kind of gets cheaper, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that price come down. And once they get to the point where they can really mass produce them, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it come down even further. So, But I, I do think it's a cool concept, but I do think it needs a little bit of time to kind of yeah. bake. It's kind of like, consider the price of your first laptop. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah, and, and what it does. And what you can do now. And what, and what you, you can do buy now, now. With, you know. That's a great way to put it. I like that a lot. So, But multimorphic.com, you guys go check out the P3 Pinball Platform. They had a nice seminar, and hopefully they'll put their video up so you guys can see it there. It was pretty interesting, very interesting talk. They have all the information on their website, too, in case they don't. So check it out. And, of course, Tim, the next one was us. <laughs> And I thought it was the best seminar ever. No. I, I can, we can be somewhat biased, but <laughs> we had a good time doing it. We got to meet again, like we said at the beginning. We got to meet a lot of you guys, and we got to, to just put out some basic information. Tim, it's really not anything that you can't find in our videos, um, but we did get to show off our little rolling jamma uh, on a board, I guess yeah. you could say, our rolling jamma harness and, and arcade on a board. And we got to show off kind of how that worked and everything, which is kind of cool. We talked about the tools that you're going to need. And we go, we went a little bit more in depth, more tools than what we have in our, our your first okay, arcade okay. toolbox right. video. So if you guys want to check that out, there's actually more stuff there. And then there was just some great information, Tim. We gave out prizes to everybody that was in the seminar, right. I should say. <laughs> so thank you guys again. But another thing, Tim, I'm going to say is that we had a discount on our DVDs for the Hag Expo. Right. And the discount is still on. You can get a complete set right now for $40. And all you have to do is go to our online store at arcaderepairtips.com slash store and then buy it. Okay, it says 45 but the discount, you'll see the discount once you put it in your cart. So once you hit the Buy It Now button, you'll see a discount. All of them are discounted from what they say they are on the store. So, And that's only for a limited time just because of the hack. Okay. So just to give some of our people who are at the just seminar who did, or didn't get to, to go uh, a chance to buy those DVDs. We've already sold quite a few sets that way. So uh, thank you guys for the purchases. And But I just want to mention that. But we gave out prizes to everybody. We had a good time. We had some questions here and there. 
Tim, is there anything you want to say about our seminar? Yeah, well, you know, only so much you can do in an hour. And I know some people were probably really... And another thing, this is the first seminar we'd ever done there. Right. So I kind of made it basic and simple. And maybe if we'll get asked back next year, we can do like just on monitor repairs. Right. Or something that seems to be a common question yeah. or something. You know. My idea still is to bring a monitor with us and have people come up on stage and pop a monitor right there. Yeah. We're going to get you over your fear right now. This, right. Is, this is the confidence booster. And Tim, we can even leave it plugged in for a couple of people, just depending. Maybe so. we'll bring Stan and just uh, let him see that it doesn't really hurt that bad when, it get, when you get shocked. <laughs> for $5, he'll probably just let it shock him. There you go. <laughs> so, but we, we had a good time. Again, thank you guys who came to the seminar. And we want to thank the HAG sponsors and everybody who who volunteered and worked hard to set all that stuff up and for letting us speak for sure. We definitely enjoyed it. And I hope that, you know, there's a couple people in there that we've known for years and they were like, wow, we got something out of it. And I know that they're friends of ours. They would told me, you know, it was like, and they were like, wow, we learned a few things. So, you know what? That's what it's all about. Sharing knowledge and encouraging people to work on their games and uh, letting the hobby grow. So, you know, that's another thing is that we talked about it. We, in fact, we had such a good time, and we felt so comfortable doing it that we, we'd like to do this again sometime. So yeah. maybe. Uh, so, so if you're from on. another, if you run another expo festival or whatever thing like that, and you guys want us to come and, and do some, you know, do a speak or something like that, uh, we might need some money for transportation, but we might be, we might be willing to do it for free as long as the transportation and the hotels are provided. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or, or we we work with you. You know. Right. We, you know. A lot of the, a lot of times these things don't have a lot of money and things, but you know we'll we'll be open to offers on any just about anything like that. We'd like to do it. Definitely. So it was fun. We had a good time. And Tim, that's all I'm going to say about ours. You guys can watch it once it's posted. I'm getting them done. So we'll move on from there. Now, Tim, the next one was John Costa's seminar, just like the one that he did last year, kind of a pinball repair clinic. And this time he had a Captain Fantastic uh, electromechanical pinball machine that somebody just dropped off at his shop and was having issues. And he literally fixed it on the spot. Right. It was impressive. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, and he shows how he did. He went through it and, and how he how he got everything. I mean, if, guys, if you guys have an electrical electromechanical pinball machine, you guys need to watch John Costa's videos. This right. guy is, again... Like we were talking about Ken being the guru of Williams games, John Costa is the guru of electromechanical games. I mean, right. it's amazing what he can get. Well, he's pretty do. good at a lot of a lot of lot of games, but right. you can tell there was uh, some people were. He goes in such detail, and that's what I like. You know, he was like, "Don't just fix this problem. Let's clean everything while we're in there. Let's do this." And and I thought he had the game working pretty good. And he goes, "Ah, it's not going out of my shop like this." You know, so right. some. He takes a lot of pride in his work. So, John, thank you for uh, the pride that you take, and it showed. And you guys really need it. If, I would say, if you don't have a lot of time, you only get to watch one video through this series, that's the one I would watch. And it is the longest because John just kept on talking and <laughs> talking and talking. Poor Joe didn't get much time. Well, he got enough time. He got enough yeah. time to do his, but he didn't get as much time as he's supposed to get because John just kept on talking, but nobody cared. Yeah. Everybody just kept on listening. Well, he was still fixing it. You know, right. it was like you didn't want it you didn't want it to quit. You didn't right. want it to, it's like kind of went into overtime. Right, it did. It's like, yeah. you know, we're in double overtime and we had to get it fixed and bam, there it was working at the end. That was cool. Yeah, so I mean, John did a great job with his and we want to thank him for sharing knowledge, Tim. We're always talking about people who post, other people who post repair tips on YouTube and things like that. 
We want to thank everybody who was there, Ken, for sharing your knowledge, because that's a big thing that we like to do. We want to share what we know with you guys, and in turn, we want you guys to share what you know with us. And I think that's how Arcade Repair Tips, that's kind of the basis on which we founded it, Tim, was yeah. sharing information, sharing this repair knowledge. And John Costa will teach you more in that hour and 20 minutes that he has about EM games than you might know right now. It's amazing. So mm-hmm. even if you're an experienced EM technician. So, John, again, thank you for that. One of the better seminars. And like Tim said, if you only catch one, that's probably the one to catch. Even over ours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Oh, we're we're three or four down the list. Uh, be realistic. We, most of the guys here have already seen our other videos. That's so true. I'm taking that in consideration. Okay, so so the next seminar was kind of what we had last year with Joe Crookham, right? Who owns Classic Arcade Works, and you guys can go to his site at classicarcadeworks.com. And it was basically it had the same title, but it was a little bit different this time. Tim, the title was How to Replace Your Old Arcade Cab, but this time what Joe did was he actually bought a busted up cabinet Star Wars. Atari Star Wars. Right. That was just the cabinet was all busted to pieces, and he showed us how he took basically everything out of that cabinet and put it into a brand new cabinet that he built. It was right. a, it was amazing. He showed us all of the all the stuff that went into you know like all the stuff that was rusted and where rats and cats and everything else is peed and mm. and I mean like this cabinet was in probably the worst shape of of a lot of cabinets that I've seen. Tim, I've seen right. some pretty bad ones. We got one behind us here that's pretty bad. Well, it, was, it was pretty. It was. It real was bad. so sad because when you look at it and you say, "Man, somebody just destroyed a Star Wars," and he saw the potential in it, right? And and then made a new cabinet, put the star, put the stuff in it, and then it's like, oh my gosh, that's the best looking Star Wars I've ever seen. Well, not only that though, Tim, he tried to wash it out. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> he actually had to, it was so nasty he had to take a water hose to it yeah and, and like did like a water bleach solution and tried to wash it out but the whole thing just fell apart yeah I mean he, you know I think he said somebody on KLOV was, was telling people that that's how they cleaned out like mispacked cocktails I could not imagine doing that to my cocktail cabinet no or no. any cabinet for that matter trying to wash it out with water no if it's that far gone I, I'm at I'm at this place right now where after seeing some of Joe's work uh huh and, and I love to keep things original and all that stuff, but man, it just, you can't tell they're not, I mean, they look like brand new. Yep. And if you got the same original guts and it works, mm-hmm. and man, you know. We should also say that Joe has also been venturing into sign making, and mm-hmm. I right. we were able to trade him a set of our DVDs for one of his nice arcade signs, which we did post, I think I posted a pic on my Facebook, Tim on his Facebook, maybe we'll post one on the, on the Arcade Repair Tips Facebook page. But these signs are pretty cool. This one says arcade. It's got the multicolors in it. And I think it's a cool thing to have in your game room. He also had some key holders. So if uh-huh. you have games that are all keyed differently and you want to you know, you wanna hang your keys on the key holder, that's kind of a cool thing to do. And he made signs for Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh-huh. I thought the signs were one of the cooler things that he made. Yeah, the signs were cool. And that's neat how he's taken uh, a skill right. and translated it to something else in our hobby because... If you want to collect games, you need a game room, and right. then it's always cool to have. And, and he would do custom work too, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. that would be really cool. If people would go to his site; they need to support. Now, him. another thing he talked about was the fact that he had three levels now of cabinets. He basically had like, okay, I cut the CNC out. Here you go. Right. That's like level one. And then he said, okay, I've cut the CNC out. I put a couple of the, like, the, the little placeholders in and stuff like that, but you still need to assemble the cabinet. Right. And then he does like a full assembly, basically. Right. And depending on how much you want to spend just depends on which you know which one you want to go with. Yeah, yeah. some people might really enjoy putting the cabinet together themselves. I'm sure that saves in shipping oh, with yeah. the cabinet not assembled. 
And so, uh, you know, Joe's got some, some different things that he does, and I, I really like his prices, too. And I, I told him uh, publicly there, was you know, it's, it's really fair for the amount of work that he puts into them. And you see it when you saw all the stuff, this slow slideshow yeah. that he did. And I tell you, yeah, he did, he did like a time-lapse photo of him putting together, I think it was a Miss Pack or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. He, do, he puts a lot of work. You know, for him, it's a labor of love, you can tell. And it's just amazing the the kind of stuff that he the kind of work that he puts into these cabins. I mean, and it's here's the thing: all these guys, all these seminars, us included, Tim, we're all part timers at this. We all have full time sure. jobs. We all do things. You know, we all have things that we do to actually get paid, but we do these things on the side. And Joe is no different, but he's putting together these fantastic cabinets for people. It's just amazing. And I was going to bring up some of the stuff here. And, and he has like a customer spotlight. You guys need to go check out his website again, classicarcadeworks.com. We'll link to it in the show notes so you guys can see it. Um, he just put up, it looks like he's already got up on his website. It says, Winter Best of Show Custom Arcade, Houston Area Arcade Expo 2012. Right. So, you know, he's already got it up there. But uh, he'll do custom cabinets, Tim, but he really needs an original, he said, because for some of the different cabinets. Because he's got some templates kind of already pre-built, like Miss Pac-Man's and cocktail right. cabinets and stuff like that. But if you want a cabinet, if you have a cabinet now and he doesn't have it, you will need to, even if it's old and busted, you'll need to take it to him so he can get some good measurements off of it. Right, because but, he wants the exact cabinet, not something close. Right. He's very uh, meticulous. detailed, meticulous about that. In fact, uh, you know, we're negotiating doing a restoration on a lunar lander. Right. And uh, so if you have a lunar lander out there, and we're going to try to get him a cabinet down there. Right. Uh, first of the year or sometime where he can do the lunar lander mm-hmm. for a friend of ours. And then uh, he'll have that the drawings in his system. And, and you might want to look at what he already has. Right. Now, another thing is that he talked about how he cuts them out of basically three different materials. And so it's it's plywood and melamine and I forget what the other one is. Tim, was it just particle board? Yeah, I mean, like, like a particle, particle board. board. And so, but the melamine was was the one that he was saying was pretty much the best. If you just want a plain black cabinet, melamine's basically like a laminated, pre-laminated wood. Yes. And it's it's really cool stuff. We've seen a couple of his cabinets in person, and I tell you what, it's clean looking cabinets. That Star Wars looking. look better than a brand new one. Yeah. I mean, it's just it is new. It's, right. There's, what can you say? This is mm-hmm. awesome. So let me go over the kits just real quick in detail because he's got them here on the site. The level one kit, he says it's for the ultimate do-it-yourselfer. And basically, it, just re- it comes with all the required wood panel pieces to construct your cabinet. So that's if you want to put it together yourself. The level two is ready for assembly. So it comes it comes with all the wooden panel pieces to assemble the cabinet. And then he also cuts all the angles and things. Uh, some of the angles are kind of tricky, Tim, depending on the game that you right. have. And so, like, with the level one kit, some of those angles might not be cut. You might have to take your saw to it versus mm-hmm. the level two kit where he's already cut out those angles for you and you just you just basically assemble it. And then you got the level three, just fully assembled cabinet. And on his side, he's got a list of prices and the levels. So, of course, a level three is going to cost you more than a level one on pretty much any cabinet. But as Tim said, price is very reasonable. We, we highly recommend, Joe, if you guys need new cabinets to replace what you got. Timmy actually said he's been selling a lot in California. Which right. kind of surprised me. People actually getting cabinets shipped to California. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. So, uh, But we like Joe Crookham a lot. You guys buy cabinets from him at Signs. And check out his website for sure, ClassicArcadeWorks.com. So great information there. And uh, we had a lot of fun in the seminar. I will mention that we kind of got into a debate a little bit about side art. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you'll, you'll catch that if you watch the, the seminar. Yeah, and, and but, but that has spurred us. Maybe we'll try to do, uh, I guess, you know, we would say our method. Right. And we're not going to say the yeah the wet method is not the only method. Right. Not not and that's what we said. You know the the main thing is the in in product result. Right. 
we do need to shoot a video pretty soon show people how we do it. In fact, I did some at uh, Chuck E. Cheese the other day, and I said, I'll show you how, how I do it. We were um, a baseball game. It was, of course, it was a, a panel that lays down, but still same right. principle. Right. And a pretty big piece of artwork and stuff, and it, it turned out really good. That's good. So, I mean, but we'll talk about that in our video. We're going to have to shoot that one, obviously, because there were a lot of questions about it this past weekend. Right. Ag, so... So that's enough for Joe's. Tim, we'll go to the last one, which was with Carl Cullenschmidt. And he talked about classic cabinet restoration, okay, which was very interesting. And basically what Carl has been doing is taking these these old Miss Pac-Man Gallagher cabinets, taking them basically to scratch, you know, like, like sanding down the entire front of it or even peeling off like the top layer of plywood in some cases and then basically like re-laminating it, repainting it. And he talked about the entire process that he goes through. Very elaborate process. But his cabinets look very good. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know Carl, right? Yeah, we've had some, uh, we've done some deals. And he really helped us out one time when we needed to pick up a game for somebody. Definitely is very knowledgeable in what he does mm-hmm. and uh, and so forth. I think you guys will really enjoy that video, too. You know, he, he's a big Tron fan. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that was his Tron that we were playing in that picture. I think he had a different one. On the other side, but right. in fact, it looked like brand spanking new, and he does great, great work. So sometimes, you know, and, and uh, it is a light, lot of labor involved. Right. Uh, you really couldn't make a decent living out of, at it because of that. So you have to, if you're not going to do it yourself, you really need to find somebody that will take that kind of time. So if you guys are in the Houston area, uh, you got a couple great resources down there and guys that like to do it, you know, so mm-hmm. they would be good people to get in contact with for sure. Yeah, and Carl's seminar is really interesting, and I'm just going to let you guys kind of watch it because he, talk, he goes a lot in detail, and we did get the full one on that. I will mention on the John Costa, we had some technical issues. I think I might have said that already, but I'll double, just reiterate. We had some technical issues. My camera ran out of batteries because he went over time, and then I had to put my phone up there, and my phone was in the process of downloading some stuff at the same time, so it kind of gets a little choppy. All the audio is there, thank goodness, but okay. you, you can't see all the video at certain points. So, I mean, it was, I mean, he just kept talking and talking and talking. Right. But Carl's, we did get all of, so you guys will see the entire thing, and I got a nice zoom on it and everything. And he really went into some detail about how he goes about restoring cabinets, and I tell you what, Anybody who spends that much time restoring cabinets, uh, you got You got to like their work. He he does oh, some yeah. great, fantastic work. So, Carl, thank you again for that seminar, and thanks to all the presenters for the seminars. We learned a, we learned something from every seminar, Tim. Oh it yeah. Like. So I mean, it was it, there's some great information there, and we're gonna post it all up on the Arcade Repair Tips YouTube page so you guys can see it all. And we look forward to getting your thoughts on some of the seminars as well. Leave in the comments on the YouTube page. You know, leave us a couple of. You know, a couple of comments. Let, let us know what you took away from some of these seminars that we saw at the Hag. Okay, so that's enough about the seminars. Let's give our show a rating. Because that's always what we do at the end of these special podcasts, Tim. So let's talk a little bit about Hag 2012. What, what, our, what the positive takeaways were. What the negative takeaways were. And how they can improve. And basically what grade we give them in the end. So I'll go ahead and let you go first. Let's talk about the games, the seminars. Just as an all-inclusive package, what did you like? What didn't you, didn't you like? And what grade do you give it? Well, a, it's, a to F. you know, the the more they, they do a seminar, it's just like the Texas Pinball Festival. They really got it down. Yeah. Check in, check in, and checking out. That kind of stuff uh, runs really smooth. Their T-shirts were cool. I saw every... They, they yeah, were see, gone last year, last fast. year we, were, we were kind of negative on the T-shirts. But yeah. this year, the T-shirts were much better. T-shirts were really good. Um, then you walk in, and it's just like a... I mean, this stuff was packed wall to wall. There was hardly any empty space. 
So I don't know who organized all that kind of stuff, but just the moving in and all that stuff, I can tell that that was a, a, a massive amount of work. And and I think it's a great equality as far as booths that you could buy stuff at, right? Uh, collector nostalgia, uh, new parts. Then you had the the consoles. Then the tournament area. Then the uh, pinballs and arcades. It's just I really like the format that they do. I think right. it's. I, I, and, you like the flow. The yeah, flow the works. flow was great. And, um, you know, they constantly giving out prizes and fun. It's a real fun atmosphere. The music doesn't bother me. Right. Uh, it's not, it's in the one area. Mm-hmm. So if you just don't want to hear it, you, you kind of don't in, in some areas and in other areas you do. Well, you know, when it was and, getting um, late Friday night, though, and you and me were trying to get our Gallagher groove on, it's nice to hear that music. I saw you singing along several times. So. <laughs> yeah, they had a few 80s tunes uh, that, that kind of were bringing back some good memories. So I like the flow, lighting, every, everything just seems very up and professional in the course of seminars you got a lot of variety there it's not the same topics a lot of different things a lot of different collectors so you know i i really honestly i don't know that humanly you can do much better i'll say that much wow, as far okay. as average collectors that aren't getting paid you know you right. take these and take this in consideration as who does who does it and how they do it and uh, I think that they've learned a lot from the Texas pinball guys because it's always been top-notch. And I, I really, in my opinion, this just straight up my opinion, they really have kind of took it to that next level as far as everything goes. Uh, so, you know, they have think, a lot of power issues. Right. Not a lot of down games. Yeah. I think last year you might have said B+. I'm not for sure on that. Yeah, People I'm, can go back and yeah, listen. I, I think so. so I, would has, say it was, I would say they're definitely an A. Nobody's perfect, and right. you, you got a few uh, wrinkles and stuff as always, but it seems like you look back at some of the wrinkles from a couple years ago, right. and they've ironed them out. Yeah, and that's what I appreciate too. Is that these guys take it very serious. I mean, we're for sure we don't want to be some keyboard or microphone cowboys over here, you know, because we know the kind of work that it takes. Oh yeah, we've set up auctions and stuff before, and and helped with shows and different things. So. We know the amount of work and the labor of love that goes into it, so I definitely say it's an A rating. Yeah. He's a solid A. I think so, too. I think it was much better this year. I feel like they took a lot of the stuff that we said last year in our podcast, and they really upped their game on all that kind of stuff. All the stuff that we were critical on, they seemed mm-hmm. to really come up on. And so I, I really feel like it's it's in the A range as well. I really like the seminars. I did feel like some of them were a little, a little repeated. You know, obviously John Costa, Joe Crookham, and Ken were there last year. But at the same time, they really presented different information, I felt like, than last time. Even though the seminar names were the same, they really presented kind of different information in all their seminars. So it's hard for me to count off too much on that, but you do have some of the same presenters. So it's good to get some new blood in there. We were in there this time. And and I really did feel like all the seminars that were there, if you took the time to go to them, you really learned a lot. And then, of course, I like the layout. I like the format as well. Um, you know, it seemed like last year, though, I think we talked about this a little bit, there were more arcade games, and this year there were a lot more pinball machines. Yeah. But again, a lot of that's luck of the draw. It's like whatever the collectors want to bring. Because, exactly. you know, they volunteer to bring this stuff, so right. you never know exactly what's showing up. My only regret, and this is a personal regret, has nothing to do with the show, is that we didn't get to play X-Men by Stern, the new right. pinball machine. Uh, it was in the tournament area, and we just, we didn't, we didn't If we had time, we should have just joined the tournament and played it. Exactly, but we, but just, we just really didn't have didn't time. I mean, that really was the thing. stayed busy. It was packed right there was something going all the time uh if anything was was busy it, 
even the swap meet, you know, we didn't talk about that. You know, right. we did go out, out there. We did go out to the swap meet. It didn't seem like as much stuff as last year, though, Tim. It, it seems seemed like kind of bare. Any kind of festival it seemed like the swap meets have never really taken off. But you never know. It's right. kind of like a garage sale. Sometimes right. you go. And you find that one thing, so I, I just appreciate them offering it at least. Oh, and yeah, given we could have brought some stuff out there and sold if we wanted to at no cost. Right. That That's a nice thing to offer. If we want to do any rants or just, just what we would like to see improvement, there were a couple things. And that would be, you know, the games I didn't get to play because they didn't have credits right. on them. Uh, you know, just... Keep that in mind. You bring games, you need to keep them. Now, up I will and, say this though: we, I think we did mention that last year, but it also seemed like there were less of those this year. I will say that, just in my so. personal experience, it didn't seem like there was maybe many just of the ones year. I wanted to play. Where, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I'm not going to pick on anybody. I'm just saying that I know that that's a common common issue. Put it on free play. We shot a video before on adding a credit button. Or no, we haven't. That's on the list. All right. Well, we need, we're shooting a video really soon. Adding a credit button is not hard to do. Right. And I think that, and I saw some people that had one. I think that would be just for the people who brought stuff. Just a little constructive, constructive criticism here. Make sure that your game has a free, that either on free play or has a credit button. Because you don't want to babysit them all day long. I understand that. You have a life and you want to play too. Right. Or you're in a tournament or at a seminar. And and so let's take care of that. Uh, The second thing would be just the the seminars themselves. You know, we did have some that ran over. Right. And and I'm not, there's no knocking the the going over because it was good stuff. What uh, you may have is on some of them, like like John Costas, his seminars could probably be an hour and a half. Two hours, three hours. <laughs> but, but maybe they need a longer block. Right. Whereas uh, Joe probably didn't need quite an hour. He could probably done his in 45 minutes or something. I don't know. We were pushing our time slot pretty pretty tough, and we tried to start and get out of there on time. Right, because well, we did that because we knew that some of the other ones had run over, and so we really wanted to make sure that we got everybody out on time. We left plenty of time for so questions as well. Here, Well, we don't want to just bash. Right. Here's my suggestion. Two rooms, and alternate them so that if one's going over, that's okay, because the next one can still start on time. Right. Because I notice. You know, when when a person like us, we had to get back. We need to be, and and ours went fine. I'm I'm not. It's definitely not a complaint. Right. But maybe two rooms, if if the money is okay and you can do that, I think it would be great because then you could. Uh, I think even that room splits into two. Yeah, it does. So you and do, so and, and you it do, wasn't hardly ever full. No, it was hardly ever full. Right. So I think that you could. Uh, you need two rooms. In other words. Want alternate them so that if it does go over, that's fine. The people that are really into that one can get going, but the next person can start on time. Another thing is that it allowed for better setup too, because basically, like if somebody did run over time, you, I mean, Joe had to set up quite a bit to show because he wanted to show pictures of his Star Wars restoration stuff, and it he was after John Costa, and I mean John got over it like you know the hour and twenty minute mark, right. and you know that Joe spent another ten minutes getting everything set up, and it's know. like. And John could have went another 20 minutes and nobody would have complained. Right. Because of the fact that it was so good. So, like I said, two rooms might would eliminate that problem where they alternate room A, room B, one start, and then so that they could go way over. It wouldn't matter. 
or if they were short, the next people can be. So we also had a, a lot of stuff we were dragging in. Correct. And I felt bad because we're dragging in our stuff while some other guys were still talking too. Right. And we didn't want to be rude to them, but we did. It was time for ours to start, so we had to bring our stuff in. Right. So uh, Just that, a couple suggestions. Sounds good. But overall, a oh, solid it, A rating from Arcade Repair Tips sure. on everything. We had a good time. And we enjoyed playing games. We just had a really fun time doing it all, Tim. Yeah. So, and again, we want to thank all the listeners, everybody who was at the seminars, all the seminar presenters, all the all the people who are involved with setting up the Hag. I, you guys just did a tremendous job. We want to thank you guys so much. Uh, Tim, is there anything you want to say about the Hag before we we close it up and do some announcements and things like that? No, it's just cool that we've went enough now that we know a lot of people and stuff. But thanks. I mean, really, guys, you just don't know what it means. Everybody was like, "Hey, I've, I've heard your podcast. I've seen your videos." Or you know, yeah, there was the guy who was he was working on I think the Circus Voltaire next to the Adams family that we were playing, and we had our jerseys on, and we're just sitting there, and he's got his pinball machine up, he's soldering some coils, and uh, just in the middle of all that, he just leans over and looks at our shirts and says, "Oh, I like the podcast." Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, it's definitely fun for us when we see that it helps, and you know, we're not just kind of spinning wheels or running our mouths or anything <laughs> we're, we're actually getting some good done for the arcade community so thank everybody thank for a great show and for having us down you know and for the letting us do our thing for an hour and it was really we really do appreciate it so great job this year you know and uh, i hope that you guys take everything that knowing that we're say the only things that we're we're talking about just hope we we like to, it's been getting better every year and every I think year so. I think and so. kind of bigger. I'm almost wondering about a bigger place. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking the almost. exact same thing. It, yeah. I think it could uh, be a little maybe maybe need a bigger venue, but that's that's a good place and we don't have many power problems right. and stuff. I hear them talking about some of the setup. Seems like they have to iron out some stuff every year there with the power, but. I think that's any any festival. Yeah, for sure. But okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up, Tim. We'll we'll close with our announcements. And the only one I have is that there is an American amusement auction coming up pretty soon. Of course, American amusement auctions is our friends David and Sean, and it's going to be at the Mesquite Rodeo Center in Mesquite, Texas, on December eighth. Tim, we should say this is the last one, as far as we know, at the Mesquite Rodeo Center. Uh, apparently they're going up on the price and David and Sean are looking for a new venue. Oh, wow. So if you guys want to just come for maybe what could be the last arcade auction in the Mesquite Rodeo Center, then you can come for that. But again, it's going to be on December 8th. Preview from 8 to 10. Auction starts at 10 a.m. For more information, visit AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. Now, Tim, I got that from Craig Hassel. That's what he said. Okay. So that's, that's from him. But I haven't actually talked as to David As long as Sean they don't that. have it at that place that we went to, that one auction, and we had to The Dallas Convention up. Center. Dallas yeah, Convention yeah, yeah. Center. That, please, not the Dallas <laughs> Convention Center. Lower level will be okay. But. Again, American Amusement Auctions, Mesquite Rodeo Center in Mesquite, Texas, December 8th, AmericanAmusementAuctions.com for more information. And Tim, let's talk about our contact information like we always like to talk about. Again, you know, this is kind of a special podcast, Tim, but we normally answer people's questions on Arcade Repair. And if you guys want to send in those questions, you can you can send them to questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Again, that's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And that comes directly to my email box and Tim's phone. So, <laughs> so we get your questions. We get to look them over. Like Tim mentioned in the seminar, we had quite a few, so you got to be patient with us replying, but we will get to you eventually. We also have our voicemail line, but we are holding voicemails back temporarily while we're, we're trying to do a voicemail podcast. But if you guys want to send in a voicemail for that voicemail podcast, you can send them to 972, the number 8, 
AR Tips is in Arcade Repair Tips, or 972-827-8477. Leave us a voicemail. You can just leave one to tell us what you thought of the seminar, or you can leave one to, to ask us a question, whatever you want to do. Again, 972-8AR-TIPS. And Tim, let's talk about some of our, our social media and multimedia stuff where you can get a hold of us. Of course, we have our iTunes, which a lot of you are subscribing through our iTunes to the podcast. And you guys can get to our iTunes page by going to iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com. And again, we encourage you, as always, that if you like the show, you like what you're listening to, please leave a review on the iTunes page. We love to read the reviews. We've got quite a few up there. You guys have been great to us as far as those reviews go. But if you haven't left a review and you enjoy what you're listening to, please go to iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com. Leave a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And we are also on the Zune Marketplace, and you can get to us there at zune.arcaderepairtips.com if you have a Windows phone. Uh, Stitcher Radio, for those of you who have the Stitcher Radio app, you can get to us at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. And, of course, Tim, we have our YouTube page, which is pretty much the most popular social media outlet that we have or our multimedia outlet that we have, and that's at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And we have all of our videos up there. All the videos from the Hag Seminars are going to be up there as well, Tim. And, of course, we have our two social media sites. We have Twitter. And if you guys want to send your questions via Twitter in 140 characters or less, you're more than free to do that. Go to twitter.arcaderepairtips.com to send us there. And we also have our Facebook page that's run by Mark Nellis, who's been extremely busy getting things done you know, with his current job and, and some other things. So we want to thank Mark, though, for continuing to run the Facebook page and remind you guys that you can join our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. We have a lot of people on there. And we just want to thank all of the people who uh, do all the work for answering questions, all you guys who answer questions, all you guys who ask questions. We want to thank you guys so much for all that. And Tim, I think that about wraps it up for this special episode of the Arcade Repair Tips podcast. Do you want to say anything in closing? Just want to, again, thank everybody for all the support that you give us and we look forward to. If you want your question answered quickly, probably the Facebook way is the easiest way to get your question answered the quickest because we're not the only people that are answering questions right. there. Right. The second thing is to go back and listen to our old podcast. A and lot a of lot of you guys have been. We've been a, looking a, at the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of questions that we get are repeaters or very, it's kind of almost fresh when we get one of uh, it almost stumps me or I have to think about or research myself. Right. So, but but don't don't hesitate. Don't keep from that. We're not going to say, hey, we answered that before. We're not answering it. Keep asking, but if you'll go back through them, sometimes you can find the answer before we have time to get to you. Another thing we should say, too, is that every podcast in the post for the podcast has the, the question list of all of the questions that we answered in that episode, right. which is super helpful for you guys. I mean, that allows you to basically go through and yeah. see, if hey, I've got a Pac-Man that's playing blind. Oh, look at that. In episode 29, they covered Pac-Man playing blind, whatever right. it is. So, or a shrunken picture or something. Yeah, exactly. or my Pictures doing the hula. Mm -hmm. you, you could go back and listen for that part. And they're in order. Yes, they are. They're so in order, you so you kinda can kind of find where your spot skip, is. Skip through the middle or something. Right, which is really helpful for you guys. So, I mean, again, if you I mean, listen to the old podcast, too, like Tim mentioned, you can find them all on iTunes. They're also all listed on our blog at ArcadeRepairTips.com. You guys can do searches through there. Another thing we're going to talk about just real quick is we have a resources page on ArcadeRepairTips.com. A lot of people don't realize that. That resources page has resources to parts suppliers, monitor repair guys, PCB repair guys, 
festivals that you can attend in your area for arcade stuff. So maybe you're not in the Houston area, but you want to attend a festival or an arcade expo in your area, go to arcaderepairtips.com slash resources, and we have a list of all the ones that we could find up there that are still active. So, Because we encourage you, even if you're not in Texas, Mm -hmm. to go to your local arcade festivals. These guys put in a lot of work to put these festivals together, and they deserve to get a couple people come out and and at least break even on their investment. And if you know of one, and we're not aware of it, be sure and let us know and we'll be be sure to advertise it for you for sure or if you're especially if you're leading one up or have a start a festival there you go <laughs> hey now is as good a time as any we're in an arcade renaissance you think about all the movies especially with wreck it ralph coming yeah. out right i mean we're in an arcade renaissance people so now is a good time as ever to start looking for or maybe even doing your own arcade festival or having maybe a little collectors get together in your area i mean you guys can do all of that there's a lot of communities out there that can help you out with that Tim, anything we're missing before we sign off? Oh, let's get out of here. Okay, <laughs> well, thank you guys again for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. We look forward to seeing you at the Hag next year. And Tim, remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the game. game. Take Goodbye. care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under Podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.